0: Welcome to today's episode of the 49ers Unrestricted Podcast. I'm Timmy Gibson here with my co-host, Daniel Bigelow. Daniel, how you doing on this fine Victory Monday?
1: Oh, man. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm still, I was uh, living it up, using my 24 hours, as George Kittle says, and I will enjoy it for another few more hours. What an incredible day yesterday was. I'm still feeling amazing from it, as you can tell. I hope, if you were listening to this, man, I hope you were just as excited as we are.
0: Yeah. That was that was phenomenal. I mean, this was the test of if the 49ers were true NFL contenders, and not only did they pass the test of true NFL contenders, they proved that they might be the best team in the NFL. The Eagles had been beating everybody except the Jets for some weird reason, but the the 49ers steamrolled them. This team is, is back. This team is here and... I mean, Debo talked the talk last year. I was a little worried if they could back it up, and oh boy, did Debo back up that talk. Now Dude, you have to wonder in the real. back of your mind what would have happened last year if Brock was was healthy, but we're going to we're gonna break down the, the entire game, talk a little Big Dom and how he should be fired, and just break down a, an awesome, awesome, awesome 49ers-Eagles game that I think the best part of it is it shows we've got big things ahead of us this year.
1: Hey, I want to I want to comment what you just said cuz we're we're right in the same boat where goodness me, I was worried all week long with DeBo and his smack talk and I'm like, "Man, you know, he's had some he's had some good games this season, but it's not like he hasn't been I think t- was 2021 his last like truly electric season." Yeah, cuz this last season wasn't great, but season before was amazing. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't know if that's how you should be heading into this matchup. I, I, I like what Brock had to say, um, when a reporter said, "Hey, a, a lot of people are, uh, like smack talking in your name, talking about you." And he's like, "Yeah, I appreciate it, I love it, but I've got a job to do." Like he's so focused, and he doesn't care about the smack talk going on. He's, he's like, "I'm not a, I'm, like, I'm fine with it." But I'm not about it in the sense of I'm not going to buy into it where I have a job to do. I need to focus. And I was like, well, is that is that what Debo should be doing too? And I know, you know, Hassan Riddick, I think, was the, the first guy to really say something. And he's saying, hey, last year everybody was whining. All the Niners fans, all the Niners players were whining. Uh, you didn't have a quarterback. I'm like, okay, the fact that you don't have a quarterback is a pretty pretty big deal to, to whine and about. And Riddick here. also
0: said, like, hey, they're going to get a chance to prove it. And exactly. Did.
1: And and they freaking did. And did you hear Hassan Reddick's name like once yesterday? No. Pretty much no. Oh, no. I did not. So that was my favorite thing where he says that. AJ Brown, I think like AJ and Debo were homies. They were drafted the same year. They have the same agent. I saw them on the field talking at the end of the game. Um, but AJ was saying, he tweeted, um, what did he say? He said like, hey, Eagles fans, let like you have my permission to start chirping Debo this week, right? And my yeah, goodness. I think so. Did it. I'm just right there with you. It's a very long way to say it. I'm right there you with you. When I was so afraid. Chirping Debo, Debo wasn't is gonna a be able bad to back that up.
0: Chirping Debo is a bad decision. That's what we saw. I mean, did Apparently you Apparently so. That guy, he was mad and he proved it. That was he a great un, great game from Debo.
1: I think his end around and not just the touchdown end around that he got this game, but his his end around in general is deadly. Because he's so incredibly fast, but he's also a bulldozer where he just loves to truck people as well. And so when he gets that much room to run, can build up that much speed, and how shifty he is, he's either barreling his way into the end zone or finds holes, dodges guys, and gets in there so often. It's unreal. I'm just—anytime he gets space and movement, it just feels like it ends in a touchdown. Um, that screen it's, pass— it's nuts. Yeah. That was
0: the that was probably the best screen I've ever seen. His second receiving touchdown. I've never. I mean the, yeah. And just when Debo takes off, it's like nothing else in the NFL. Is
1: is that the one where George Kittle blocked two guys, one yeah, in each arm? I I think so. Dude, that's like yes, Debo's play is incredible. But these are the things where I want I want to see more talk about this. Where Debo couldn't have done that without George. Literally, he blocked one guy. A guy was in front of him he lets go with his front hand, his right hand, and grabs the other guy and has one guy in each arm and pushing them back for Debo to get in there. That's insane. It's just so incredible, the giftedness that they have. Um, gosh, but let's, let's remember, we talked about this earlier. The first quarter of this game was not awesome. It was not great. It was 0-6, Eagles. At the end of the first quarter, I'll, we'll get your take, Timmy, but when the first quarter was happening, and A.J. Brown's running all over us, even guys like Quez Watkins are getting catches in open space. It didn't really seem like we were stopping the run game as well as we had hoped, and we had no scores. I think we had one first down. I think in the going into the second quarter, I think the Niners had one first down and the Eagles had seven. Dude, I was so worried. I was so very worried. I knew there was still time I knew they could come out of it, but I, I was losing faith, I guess. Timmy, how were you feeling th- throughout the first quarter when it was 0 six going into the second?
0: I mean I, I did not like it, right It looked like what the kind of game you worry about. you know it, it looked like what we were worried this game would be, but I, I was I did find solace in that we stopped that. I mean, both times they marched down the field and it, if they had been able to keep moving like that, it would have been touchdowns and it was not. That was, I mean, those those were some serious bend, don't break red zone defense. And so while that was, that was concerning and the offense getting bottled up was obviously terrifying. I think we had negative six offensive yards at yeah, the end of the first that quarter. Was what
1: our offense scared me more than defense there.
0: Yeah. I was feeling okay though, that we had held them to field goals because I was pretty confident the offense would, would start working. And then it did. And then it was, and then you know, from there on out, it was it was over once the forty nine ers scored that first touchdown, and then did Kyle Shanahan's favorite thing of of lapping the uh, the opponent like that.
1: Yeah, and I I think you make a good point where they were marching down the field, but then we held them, and I think it was just the marching that scared me, and I'm glad it wasn't marching on into the end zone. But um, yeah, just I cannot believe how drastic. That shift was. And I can't tell you exactly when it was. I saw some reporter that said uh, the the incident that we'll get into, that was the shifting point. And I don't think so. They already had scores by then, they were rolling at that point. Um, I mean, but like we got our first touchdown just about halfway, almost exactly halfway into the second quarter. And what a. What a beautiful touchdown it was. Brandon Ayuk making a catch, a somewhat questionable catch. I don't know if you have a strong opinion on that, Timmy. Um, his catch where there was a lot of controversy if the ball hit the ground. Balls it did not. That was ridiculous.
0: Okay, I like Greg I like Olson. Greg. you do Olson. have a strong opinion. <laughs> I, I like Greg Olson a lot as a commentator. Was the dude like, is, did he grow up in Philadelphia? Like, what was going on? Yeah. He thought that catch wasn't a catch. The ball didn't move at all. He thought that Big Dom was in the right. Like, what is going on? Like, this that guy was, recommends a restaurant was... to Greg Olson once, and then suddenly Greg Olson can't find anything wrong with the Eagles, and every controversial <laughs> refereeing decision was wrong if it didn't go Philly's way. I mean, that was ter- That was, I, like, first of all, Purdy kind of missed that pass, because Ayuk was wide open. He shouldn't have needed a dive for that. But his Correct. hand was clearly under the ball. And Olsen yep. came back from the commercial break and was like, yeah, we saw it from this other angle, and then it turned out it was a catch. And it was, like, it was very clearly a catch. At the very least, it was clearly going to stand. Like, there's no way it was clearly and obviously not a catch. So I like Greg Olsen. I think he's one of the better guys in the booth right now. But, man... Dude was clearly rooting for Philly, and I know everyone says that about any announcer that somewhat criticizes their team. But I have never said that before in two and a half years of doing this podcast. I have never said that I thought a color commentator was clearly rooting for the other team. So I hope I have some I credibility have. there.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to hear a former player and a guy who seems to be—he's, you know—he said he's interested in the the Carolina Panthers head coaching job. A for, but mainly a former player say that uh big Dom wasn't was in the right that that was hard for me to understand where okay because we saw how upset Kyle was and and you know we'll we'll get into it um here why don't why don't you just explain r- run us through the incident just so we can hear it and fully understand it and then give us your take on that timmy Oh,
0: I would, I would love to. So, Big I, Dom. I know you're excited about this. His
1: name is, is Dominic
0: something, Big Dom. Apparently, he's a legend in Philadelphia. He's been their security, head of security for 20 years, maybe. Something like that. Since the 90s, since the Andy Reid days. So, Drake Greenlaw, a bit of a late hit on uh, on Devontae Smith. To be honest, I... I don't even think that was that terrible. Like he was still in bounds. You're fighting over the ball. Like it happens. Greenlaw's it's, been yes. playing a Greenlaw's been a little aggressive and a little out of control all season. But to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't have the biggest problem with that because I want the team playing physical. I want the team playing aggressive. So he gets flagged fifteen yards. Well,
1: let me let me say That's one thing honest. on it. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't just because you're totally right. He was in bounds. And so someone I was watching with said, No, you can't hit him that late. Absolutely you can. He's in bounds. Dre had Quite literally, had possession of Devonta Smith before he was out of bounds. But it's the yeah, he was in bounds the whole it's time. That, yes, but it's that tackle where he has him. He's like bear hugging him, and Dre just leans back and tries to take Devonta with him. And and quite literally, that's some sort of wrestling move, like a body slam yeah. type deal. Well, that's the thing the NFL trying it, to get rid right? of.
0: Like I think they had called forward progress, so it was a bit of a late hit. It it was sure. it was a reasonable flag, but I also like. If getting those penalties sometimes is the trade-off for letting the 49ers linebackers play the aggressive, fast way they play, I'm fine with that personally. But anyway, so then the team's getting each other's face. You shouldn't do it. But suddenly, in the middle of this is this guy, Big Dom. He's the Eagles' head of security. What that means is, according to AP, the Associated Press, real sources here... He, yes, he oversees place, all gentlemen. safety and security matters for players, coaches, and executives. He also directs security at the team's training complex, is responsible for security measures related to the team and logistics, and provides education on the NFL's personal conduct policy. Let me clarify that for you. He's not a coach, he's not a player. His job is to make sure that fans stay in their seats. He should not be anywhere near an NFL sideline. Though I don't care that the players like him. I don't care that he's a nice guy. All of that can be really, really true. His job is to keep the bus safe. His job job is to keep the locker room safe. His job is to keep people off the field. He has nothing to do with the players or with opposing players. So he kind of got in it and, and started trying to break break it up. You can see him put his hands on both guys. I, I don't know that he was getting chirpy, but he was, he was talking to Greenlaw. He was. And Greenlaw threw a fist in his face, kind of grazed him. It looked like a punch, but it, he hit him in the face. Greenlaw gets ejected. If, if Dre's
1: gonna punch him, he he's gonna punch. I don't I don't know exactly what he was trying to do, yeah. but I know if Dre Greenlaw's gonna punch, it
0: might have been more you, of a get out of out. my face. But but anyway, Greenlaw gets ejected. I don't have a big problem with it. He shouldn't. Greenlaw, you should not be swinging at people. Like you can't do it. But what the heck is a non-football staff member? doing anywhere near the field and I saw people tweeting like he's just doing his job protecting the players absolutely not that is not his job his job is not to protect the players from other players the referees handle that his job is to handle fans and other security matters handle logistics things like that he shouldn't even be on the freaking sideline that was ridiculous I don't know what he had anything to do with being on the field, putting his hands on an opposing player. Kyle Shanahan lost his mind, and it's absolutely right. And I'm seeing a lot of people, like Twitter, be like, "Oh, this is so fun. We've got an intense rivalry." To Shanahan's responses, it's like, no, Shanahan is clearly correct. Big Dom was completely out of line and should be disciplined by the NFL for this. He should not be allowed on sidelines again. He and the team should be fined. And here's why: I saw Peter Panacy, the editor over at Editor over at Niner Noise, a good friend, very very nice guy knows what he's talking about, pointed out to, pointed out on Twitter that. If this this could set a precedent where suddenly teams just start having non football staff members get in the faces of other teams best players all the time, right? Because it does not affect the Eagles that their beloved security guy gets ejected. He did have to leave the field. Good call, good decision by the referees. There should have been yeah. some sort of flag on the Eagles as well for that, but it's a little tricky because of the he's not a player. Like I don't know what rule, but obviously the Eagles should have yeah, been penalized yeah. as well. And if that had been a coach, he would have been, right? But what Peter pointed out was suddenly you'll have all these guys who they don't care if a janitor gets ejected, if a head of security gets ejected, so they'll have them start putting their hands on players to get the other team's best players ejected. So the NFL needs to step in here, and I think they will. The NFL... Is Not going to be okay with this and I expect big Dom to be punished and he absolutely should you cannot be putting your hands on an opposing player A coach couldn't do that, but a non-football related staffer shouldn't be anywhere near the sideline in the first place Getting chirpy with an opposing player completely unprofessional completely inappropriate. I don't care how nice of a guy big Dom is I'm sure he's very very nice. He was completely out of line
1: Next thing, you know, we're gonna be hiring guys like Dwayne the Rock Johnson to stand on our sideline so that (laughs) when we need them so I had a different reaction because I was upset at Dre Greenlaw at the beginning. And even it, because I wasn't really focusing on Dom or I didn't really even know what his job was or what was going on. Um, I saw, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it was a late hit, I guess, if they blew the whistle. But Dre body slammed him like, I love the aggressiveness, but, you know, don't like play smart is always my thing. I just want them to play smart. And then when the scuffle and he threw, a fist, whatever he did. I don't, I don't want to call it a punch. It was so invigorating for me because Dre, Dre Greenlot does stupid things. Sometimes it feels like he does overly aggressive things, um, which seems stupid to me because we need him in there. This is a big game. We had not blown them out yet. The momentum was absolutely in our favor. And I think, was this in the third quarter?
0: Yes. Think, yeah, no, it, it yeah. absolutely tilted the momentum to the Eagles for a few minutes there. It so fired we were, them up. Yeah,
1: but we were already up fourteen to six if not if not Debo's second touchdown and we were twenty one to six. But I was just so upset that he he let his anger get the best of him there and got ejected, and I know he was like just having a hard time with the fact that he was rejected and Steve Wilkes and another coach I couldn't remember who it was, um, were kind of like comforting him, trying to talk him down. I'm like but you can't do that in such a crucial game. And I think it's at the most crucial games. And I get it. He's got more uh, more energy for him. There's a lot more on the line. But you, you got to play smarter. And so I, I made a comment. And you can tell me if this is fair or not. But I feel like Dre Greenlaw is very much the Draymond Green of the Niners. Where he's the most aggressive player. He probably does the most smack talk on the field. But he also gets ejected the most. He also gets uh, the penalties against the Niners the most, and he hurts his own team the most. And I love Drake Greenlaw. He is an incredible player. I don't want him anywhere else. I just don't want to see. I don't want to see so much Draymond Green relations to him in that sense. And I don't. I don't know if that's fair to say. You can. You, anyone can tell me I'm wrong there. Um, but it's just so tough when it seemed so unnecessary, but I get it. Now I, I understand more that this guy should not have been there. He should not have been putting his hands on, on Dre Greenlaw. He shouldn't have been in anywhere near there, as you've said in the first place, and they could have sorted it out. And Dre really didn't seem too upset after the play. I know Devonta Smith had words for him, but I think Dre was like, Hey, you were in bounds, man. I'm just doing my job as a linebacker, tackling you. I know it was a little, a little rough, but whatever. Um, and then when, when, Big Dom, he did put his hands on both guys, trying to separate him, but he was looking at Draymond, or Drake's, uh, I knew that was going to happen, I knew if I said Dre, Draymond, I was going to mess it up one time, my bad, uh, but he was, he like grabbed Dre's jersey pads and was pushing him, and I get that, you're like, who is this, this is not a player, this is not, like, even if it was Nick Sirianni, I don't think that is allowed, right, I, yeah, I, I mean, Aziz
0: Alshire on Twitter, former yeah. 49ers linebacker, tweeted, anyone other than a ref puts hands on me and things are going to be bad. So this is not—it mm-hmm. th- it is it is not appropriate for really anyone to be putting their hands on another team's player. Now, I, I th- am with you. Greenlaw should not have done that. He needs to calm down. He needs to beat—we need him on the field for big moments like this. And you could see, I mean— Luckily, the 49ers offense got as fired up by that as the Eagles offense did because the Eagles offense was moving the ball much better after Greenlaw went out. Greenlaw is is a very, very good player, and we need him out there. So ultimately, he, he, he was in the wrong, and he deserved to be ejected. You can't throw a punch, and he did, but... I I think there needs to be And to be honest I suspect there will be Mike Florio has already Come out and said He expects there Pro football talk uh, Expects there to be Some serious discipline On Big Dom From the NFL Likely taking away His sideline credentials And that absolutely Needs to happen But I have no problem With the Greenlaw ejection On the part of the referees And I, I'm with you I think Greenlaw needs To start controlling His play a bit more Because yep. Luckily the, the 49ers were able To manhandle the Eagles Without him But Play yeah. the Eagles again in the NFC Championship or something. I, I'm not so certain, you know?
1: Speaking of manhandling the Eagles, let's get into the fun part. Let's talk about some of these highlights. And the momentum has shifted. And boy, howdy, was that an incredible game. So um, I think that happened when it was either 14 uh, or, yeah, 14 to 6 or 21 to 6. So first touchdown, Brandon Ayuk. Second, Chris McCaffrey. Or do I have that wrong? Yeah, no because Debo's all three of Debo's touchdowns came in the second half. So Yeah, Debo uh, called game. Debo called game. Uh my goodness. I mean, the fact that the Eagles didn't have a touchdown in the first half and took a little bit to get one was just awesome. Um That was great. So news. many so many fun highlights here. The fact that the defense held the Eagles, to only 19 points and only one Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown, and it was for a one-yarder. It was a tush push. So, sorry, what do we call it now?
0: The brotherly shove.
1: Brotherly shove
0: or yeah. the tush push. It's, I like both names.
1: Yeah, thank you. Tush push is going to be around. I love that Roger Goodell is trying to out trying to ban this. I think I'm going to be ridiculous. honest. I don't think
0: they should. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: I don't. I don't think you should. I don't think the commissioner, or anyone, should have power over saying. This is an illegal play unless it is to, like to protect a player and I would I would love to see the case for the what player needs to be protected. Jason Kelsey he's a bad man. He I mean he's like my favorite, but he is a tough dude, but I don't think he would if yeah, he like, was worried are you do, about getting ban, injured
0: ban passing because Patrick Mahomes is better at it than everybody else. Like you can't yeah, do that, that and
1: that's how I see it. So um gosh, so just an unreal game where we're halfway through the third quarter, and we're up 21-12, or that's now getting more than halfway, 21-13. And then Purdy fires back with uh, his pass to Devo. Boom, 28-13. You get into the fourth quarter. Now, Timmy, I want to hear your favorite touchdown of the day, but let me tell you mine first. My favorite touchdown of the day, Debo had some good ones, man. But Jawan Jennings, that play was potentially my favorite play of the game. That the was awareness, awesome. The awareness that he had to get that ball and run towards the sideline and just assume that this guy was going to overcommit and make sure he's pushing him out of bounds, to, to step and juke him the way that he did and throw him off of him and, and just speed into the end zone – was amazing. And I mean, that was, yes, Debo called game. You're right. But a play like that to put the Niners up because they were already up over two touchdowns. They were up 15 points, but to put the game 35, 13 on one of the easiest touchdown plays I've seen in such an important game, dude was amazing. I just, that play was so crucial to me. I absolutely loved it. Um,
0: awesome to see Juwan involved too he's been consistently yeah better and better and better he's become brock purdy's kind of his go-to guy on third down and i mean just a a great guy who we've loved on the team for a while obviously been a phenomenal blocker his entire time been a clutch receiver every time he's had the ball been fun to see him really get to be a core piece of this offense at crucial moments this year that's been really really fun
1: favorite touchdown for you
0: Oh, the Debo, the first Debo receiving pass, or was that a run where he just took off right after the the Greenlaw Jackson Eagles come down and score following that, and then you are like, shoot, did the momentum just shift? And then out yeah. comes Debo and just says, no, nah, no, 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 we're fine.
1: Yeah, his first his first touchdown was a rush, uh, unreal. Again, George Kittle blocking two dudes is just the coolest thing I've ever seen. So. Yeah. Unreal. Yes, um, I,
0: I think I'm, I think I'm talking about Debo's second touchdown, but I might be wrong.
1: He Debo had two receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Uh, the first touchdown that he had came in the third. Am I right? Where is. Yeah. So in the third quarter, uh, 11 minutes, 48 seconds left on the clock. He had a rushing touchdown for 12 yards. And then with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, uh, third quarter, uh, Purdy had a pass to Debo Samuel for 48 yards. That was uh, the big one where I don't even know how he truly got into the end zone. He barreled his way in there with defenders on him. And then later in the fourth quarter uh, with five minutes left to go, he had another big Catch for forty six yards. They were all 42. awesome. Forty two. All awesome. Absolutely. Line. So but, I made a note. I made a note to ask you who's the MVP of the game. I kind of feel like that's a silly question. Brock Purdy. Uh, it's probably Debo. Got to be Debo. But I mean, I like yeah. I I think it is Debo. But you like Brock's stat line. Brock only threw the ball twenty seven times. He threw four touchdowns and only threw the ball. Uh, 27 times that is an average of touchdown. Just, there's some decimals in here, but it's, it's pretty much an average of touchdown per seven a, uh, attempts. That's unreal. But a lot of that was Debo. I mean, they weren't super long throws to Debo. So Debo did a lot of, a lot of work yards after the catch, right? Um, Purdy was 19 for 27 for 314 yards. That's an average of 16.5. That's a phenomenal average Four touchdowns, no interceptions, a quarterback rating of 148.8. This man is incredible, and man is he in the MVP conversation, and that's what we're seeing this morning. Um, I've seen his odds have improved to plus 300, and that is the favorite. He's currently the favorite, according to DraftKings. Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott are both at 350. Two is at 700, Lamar 900, Patrick Mahomes 900. And then Tyreek Hill and Chris McCaffrey are at 1600 So, like, what are your thoughts on that? Where is he at in this MVP conversation? And we're so biased, but it's hard.
0: Yeah, I I think it's been a long time of, like, okay, he's really good, but how much is it him? How much is it him? I think this week is when it kind of confirmed of, like, the numbers and the results are so freaking good. Like, how can he not be a part of it? He's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. He is. He's killing it. So, I get that he's not as dazzling as some of these guys. He's not as singular. He is not the focal point of the offense in the same way that Hurts is for Philly, Mahomes is for the Chiefs, and I, I... to be honest, the only player I think you can argue is a better MVP candidate right now than Brock Purdy is Christian McCaffrey. Because that's the argument, right? Of like, well, that's the argument against Purdy, right? It's like, well, Christian McCaffrey is clearly more—might be more impactful on the offense. But I don't know. I mean, Jimmy had a week with Christian. I I, I just—I I, I don't know. <laughs> Jimmy but, had one week with Christian? But I, I don't think you can—like, I— I don't know how you can... The only argument to me for it not to be Purdy is for it to be McCaffrey, and it's kind of a quarterback award. So I think this might be the week where we see it shift from, oh, Brock Purdy's got good numbers. Everybody kind of chuckles, like, oh, good for that little kid, to, oh, this guy should be a legitimate MVP candidate. And he should. And I haven't thought that until now. But the numbers, I mean, the numbers and the results, like, how do you... I mean, he just outdueled the other MVP, uh, the other top MVP candidate. Exactly, like, he and I needs think to that be a that part of this huge. conversation,
1: that's a huge point. Is that I mean, Jalen Hurts is the other well, him and Dak Prescott are the other. They're both at 350. Purdy's at 300, and Brock Purdy just outplayed Jalen Hurts tremendously. And it's not just, you know, I know there's so much more that goes into a game than just the quarterbacks. But you look at their stat line, and I know it's not just them. But Brock Purdy had more passing yards than Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts had 26 completions. That's one less at, uh, attempt than Purdy had. Jalen Hurts threw the ball 45 times, and I know. Guys got to catch it. There's so much that goes into it, and you can't just go off the stats, but Jalen Hurts had one touchdown and then one rushing, but I go out, quarterback rating is a big thing for me, uh, and Brock Purdy was 148. Jalen Hurts was 85, which is great. 85 is a great one. Brock Purdy gets that on his down games. On his good games, he gets 148. It's unreal. So, and I know you said it's it's a quarterback award, pretty much. And that bothers me a lot, but it is what it is. And that makes the case for Christian McCaffrey absolutely. But just an incredible, incredible day. Debo had four receptions for four. Uh, sorry, four hundred four receptions for 116 yards, two touchdowns. Ayuk Jennings had big touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had 17 rushing attempts for 93 yards and a touchdown. Just an unreal day. Do you know who our lead tackler was? Uh, probably
0: Jair Brown based on that. You're asking. It's not going to
1: shock you because it's Jair Brown. <laughs> he had seven total Uh-oh! tackles along with Dre Greenlaw, but he had five solo tackles. Uh, Amber Thomas had six solo tackles, but six, uh, total. So he, wow. He only had only, I guess secondary. A lot of the time they only get a uh, solo tackles, but Amber Thomas, four pass deflections. Charverius Ward. Sorry. Amber Thomas had three. Charverius Ward had four pass deflections. Unreal. Javon Kinlaw, two sacks on the day. That's unreal. So none of our big guys, uh, Davis had a sack as well. But uh, none of our big names had sex. Skinlaw <laughs> too. So an incredible, incredible day. We could sit here and talk about it forever. We want to bask and live in this game for a long time. Um, I think we could also spend a lot of time talking about, hey, I saw a report this morning that Stephen A. Smith and Dan uh, or- Orvaloski were calling into question the Eagles' uh, NFC championship win over the Niners last year. Like, hey, how legit of a win was that without this incredible young quarterback? We don't need to spend much time on that because I think the jury's out. It shows you it. this game is really what matters for that conversation. Now, that was a playoff game and allowed them to get to the Super Bowl, right? So that is that is much more of a, a more important game. But in this, ter- in terms of this conversation, we know the, the Niners just trashed on the Eagles, and they weren't missing anybody. Yeah, Jalen Hurts got hurt for a second, but still, outplayed. We were at, uh, without Dre Greenlaw much longer. So, yeah. incredible game. You know, I mean, yeah, the Eagles still have the best record in football, but we know who is coming, and we know who is easily the most hot team in the NFL right now. But I, I want us to have time to talk about, you know, our season is not over. We have Seahawks next week. We just had them last week. Here they are again. Yeah. i do grateful. need to talk
0: about I know we need to preview the Seahawks. We need to talk about the playoffs though, Daniel, because yes. This game has changed things to the point where the 49ers have a legitimate shot for the number 1 seed in the NFC, which I think after that 3 t- three-game skid, we we thought was impossible, but the 49ers now, there's three teams sitting kind of in the range, right? You got Philly at 10 and 2. You got Detroit at 9 and 3 and you got Dallas at 9 and 3. So, let's kind of kind of talk about where we're at. And of course, the 49ers, we are also at 9 and 3. The 49ers now hold the head-to-head tiebreaker over Philly and Dallas. So, where that puts us is if the 49ers win out and the Eagles lose one more game, the 49ers are the one seed. Now, let's go. We need to talk about something that's going to be hard hard for you to hear, Niner gang. The Eagles do not have the hardest schedule over the, next, over the rest of the season. They play the Cowboys. They have a, they
1: have, they have a very easy yeah.
0: schedule all year, I think. Very easy schedule. They play the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Eagles. Not the Eagles. They play the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Cardinals, Ugh. and the Giants. So that means uh, we are going to have to do something we don't want to do. We're going to have to root for the Dallas Cowboys next week, Diners fans.
1: No! This, is the best.
0: this team has the best shot of beating the Eagles. The 49ers have the head-to-head tiebreaker over them already. We have to root for the Cowboys. And that sucks. We could also root for the Lions. I'm fine with that. Or no, they don't play that. The Lions play the Cowboys, I think. So we might need to root for the Cowboys over the Lions as well. We have to root for the Cowboys or the Seahawks. Those are the only two teams that probably have a legit shot of beating the Eagles, unless the Giants do something really funky. but Or the Cardinals. Actually, I think the Cardinals are getting better and better with Kyler. But essentially, we need I'm to root putting, for Dallas next week on Sunday night. No, Friday.
1: I'm putting all of my faith and energy in. Tommy DeVito, baby, come on. Make <laughs> <right>. it happen.
0: <laughs> well, I will be rooting for Dallas and the Seahawks, as much as I hate it. Do you hear that? The 49ers, yeah, do you hear yourself? The hardest part—I know, I know. The hardest part of the Niners' schedule is over— other than the Ravens Sunday, Ravens Monday yeah. night on Christmas Day, Christmas baby, PM. Re, Super Bowl rematch, going to be a phenomenal game. That's the game we got to worry about. Otherwise, Niners close out the season with Seahawks, Cardinals, Commanders, and Rams. Those teams Super can make a Super Bowl noise. rematch, the,
1: and Joe Flacco is still in the NFL.
0: Yeah, the car, Joe <laughs> Flacco's slinging it. Uh, the Cardinals, obviously, have consistently pulled out wins against the Niners. They shouldn't have, so that scares me just a tad. But I, I think the Ravens are the team to worry about. If we can beat the Ravens, the Eagles get one more loss. The 49ers are more likely than not the one seed in the NFC with that bye and home field advantage. It's where you want to be. Just, I, I just want to call that out because it's not a conversation that we thought we'd be having at this point in the season yeah. after that yeah. three-game skid. I don't think we thought there was a chance. So it's it's pretty cool that we're able to to have
1: this conversation we weren't even in first place in our own division for a minute. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I was saying that I, I do love that we are playing the Seahawks next week. I, I would not like to play uh, a team like the Patriots or the Panthers or the Giants, one of the worst teams in the NFL after such a big game, because I think it would be, it would be so easy to pump the brakes or more so just take your foot off the gas and not keep rolling. And now I don't think these guys would do that. I think that, this is one of the best focused teams in the NFL. I mean, you have George Kittle, who is just so, um, so, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but like he is so gifted with his or so good at having such a solid perspective. Um, I don't know a better way to say that, but um, the Seahawks are also pretty beat up. Kenneth Walker did not play, and Zach Charbonnet had an incredible day, uh, his first NFL touchdown on thursday against the cowboys but he's also beat up and so you got two running backs beat up and dk metcalf had a day against a good cowboys defense so that was that was fun to see but yeah it's funny the two teams that you're rooting for just played each other on thursday and uh big big game for dk might we yeah. say well, and Unreal, I, I know so.
0: the 49 the 49ers just beat the Seahawks but it's not it's not a cakewalk. You're right. The Seahawks are a good no. team. They just went blow for blow with the Cowboys who are a good team except when they play the 49ers, but obviously the Niners are the better team here. This is a game we should win, but it's you're right. It's not one we can't let this be a trap game coming off the big win against the Eagles, but I'm I'm hoping the the divisional rival element of it keeps the keeps the Niners fired up, but we probably got to wrap up Daniel cuz I spent so much time ranting about about Big Dom. But what are kind of the the big things you're worried about in this 49ers Seahawks game beyond just the team um beyond just the team beyond just the team, you know, falling into a bit of a trap game after a big win.
1: Yeah, honestly, I don't think I'm worried about a single thing. Um I'm definitely thinking about DK. I mean, um, Traverius Ward does an incredible job locking him down, getting under his skin. Like I'm just having multiple plays uh run through my head right now of, of last week when we played them and, and this one's home. I love that this game is home, but Charverius Ward had tons of pass deflections on DK and locked them down. So I'm just hoping that he can do that just as well. Uh Charverius Ward is the leading the NFL in pass deflections. So he's he's doing something right, but DK is an explosive player. He doesn't seem to always be against the Niners, but man, oh man, is he an incredible threat. Uh, So I am just hoping that, and I have have full confidence that our offense is going to come out here, continue to roll. And I don't even want to, like I'm not worried about our defense. I certainly hope that Dre doesn't get suspended for anything and that it's just an ejection. I would be very shocked if he did. So I'm I'm glad that, that he'll be back. That would be, be ridiculous. Back. That would be very ridiculous, but this defense is is doing well. We didn't really get a chance to talk about D-line or snap count with, with Chase Young. I noticed he was he was out there for the first defensive play of the game, but he wasn't his name wasn't in the starting lineup on the screen. It was Cleveland Farrell. Maybe that was a mistake, I don't know, but I'm still hey, I want I want more Chase Young. But no, nothing nothing to be worried about continue enjoying the momentum, the incredible shift that this was in the NFC. And I i don't think there's anything that the Niners cannot do, and I think they've proved that. They just manhandled the the best record. And I, what I would say is the best team in the NFL. And so i where does that put us? And I, I'm not trying to just sit here and be biased saying that we're the best team in the NFL, but when – When a UFC fighter or a a boxing champion takes down the champion, you become the champion. So in in terms of regular season rankings, who's the best, I know we go off of record, but when you take down the top team, I think you become the top team unless it's a fluke game. Like the Packers just beat the Chiefs last night. I don't think that necessarily makes the Packers better than the Chiefs though. So it's kind of a catch-22, hard for that to go both ways here. So nothing to be worried about definitely you know don't let this become a trap game for for the Niners but oh baby was that a fun one and i'm i'm going to watch i uh i'm going to watch that one multiple times this week and i'm just going to enjoy the heck out of that one um, no other injuries i can think of for the Seahawks just those big running backs i mean that's a big question mark any other thoughts on Seahawks game on Sunday for you Timmy
0: no i mean like i said the 49ers should win this game as long as we don't beat ourselves. And so the team just cannot let themselves relax into this one following a big win against the Eagles. The Seahawks are a competent NFL team and if the 49ers give them a break, they'll they'll take it. So we just we got to play well. But other than that, I think it should be a good game and then we'll just it's it is time to start kind of looking ahead to the playoffs, and so I'm I'm excited about that. This team is going to be a a legitimate NFL contender. It's been one for the past few seasons, but this team this is the best version of this team that we've seen under Kyle Shanahan. So I'm I'm very excited, Daniel. I think oh, yeah. we got to we got to wrap up. But any uh, any parting thoughts to the listeners?
1: I I think you just gave the best one that this is potentially the best team under Kyle Shanahan, and even 2019. That's hard to hard to beat. So I love to hear that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, listeners, thank you as always for uh, for joining us today. We appreciate having you. Go Niners, and uh, stay safe out there, everybody.